And I tell you, we worship a God that is full of mystery, don't we, church? I mean, our God is one God, and yet three persons, not three gods, one God, but three completely distinct persons. Our God is completely in control of all things, even down to the stuff that grows between your toes. But yet you are fully responsible for every choice you make. And even when you look at Jesus Christ, he was truly God and yet truly man. And the two never intertwined. And yet, how that happens, our God is full of mystery. For truly, he is God. And that just should, it makes my brain melt. But let me give you some encouragement um, some, to, to read a passage. I know I've told you this once before in the past. I may have even told you twice. But Psalm 37 Read verses 23 through 24, for you see what that mystery happens, and especially in light of today's message, just it's extraordinary. Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24, that is it's extraordinary. But let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today asking, Lord, that you... Reveal in our hearts the sins that we cling to. God, we are good at justifying our sins. We are good at justifying why we need to do such evil practices and wickedness. And we're also good at pointing out other people's sins, though. But trying to keep our own. God, I pray that you grant us repentance. Remind us that our sins are forgiven. Remind us that Jesus has done it all. Help us, Lord, to run to the cross, to cling to your Son, looking to Him for all hope and joy and need. And Lord, we ask right now as we're gathering in your name that you be also with the other churches that are gathering. Be with those members and be with those pastors and those deacons and church leaders be with all their children's ministries, our own children's ministry. God, you are the one that empowers it all. And you use us as the broken tools to, to plant your kingdom, your beautiful kingdom. Truly, God, you are magnificent and also mysterious. You are revealed, and yet there's so much more to learn. God, help us remember that you are the God of all grace. And you love us despite our sins. Help us, Lord, to live out this faith consistently before the world so that you may shine brightly. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. You know, uh, so we, we've been going over the book of Ephesians. And Paul has really been uh, emphasizing that Jesus truly has taken care of everything for us by faith in him. That, that this Christ to which we look to now by faith is our everything and we should go to him for our everything. Paul has been on this mission since chapter 1 to help these Ephesians grow in their understanding that this, this gospel message is not a simple message of good news. That this message of the, of the cross, which reveals God's love for rebellious, wretched sinners who rejected him, is a message that brings power 
and, 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 a, and a godly life to us. This seemingly simple message of Jesus coming to die for our sins, to give us forgiveness and salvation by faith in Him, is no small fact. But it's truly revolutionizing, uh, revolutionizing news. And it becomes revolutionizing because as we hear this great news of Jesus coming to live the perfect life on our behalf, something that we could not do, and how he went to the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins, paying the debt, the eternal debt we owe, quenching the wrath of God that was upon our heads, that Christ took the hell that we deserved, And then he came back to life to freely give us forgiveness and peace with God, to give us salvation, to bring us into his family by faith alone in him, not by what we do or what we keep doing or what we could ever do, but simply by what he has done for us. As we hear this message of how by by grace through faith, God's favor is now upon us, no matter how well we perform his law or how how much we underperform his law, That no matter what, by faith alone in Jesus, we always have God's favor upon us. I mean, that's great news. How by faith, we have all the spiritual blessings. How by faith, we are spiritually seated with Christ in the heavenly place. How by faith, our lives now are ones that are living in true freedom from the power of sin and death. It's been completely removed, the power. This gospel message is revolutionizing because it is how we come to know Jesus personally. It is through this gospel message, which all scripture ultimately points to, that we grow in knowing our Jesus by faith in him. And it's through this relationship, Christ changes us. He molds us by showing us how the power of the world, the devil, and the flesh is no longer Upon us, the power, its grasp has been removed. All because we have faith in Christ and what he has done. And as we grow in learning what he has done for us, our lives then begin to reflect these truths, these very truths that are found in Christ. And that's what Paul's going to go over here today in our passage of Ephesians Chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Paul is going to express the results or the consequences of what goes on in our life as we come to know Jesus Christ by faith alone. So our title today is The Christian Life. Now, before we look at the text, there there has to be a few things that are stated here. Uh, As we are seeing that as we come to know Jesus, we... We naturally grow in him uh, through faith. It must, it must be stressed that not everyone grows the exact same way or at the exact same speed, but all will grow. And that's an important distinction to make because we it's easily to fall into legalism or judgmentalism, this mindset of being critical of how other Christians live. Now, it doesn't mean we excuse sins. That's not the point here. But it does affect, it does affect how we approach each other over sins. 
And also on the flip side, though, which is the focus here today, the fo- is this, that what you and I may see as small steps of faith, what you and I may see is just common, run-of-the-mill expectations of what should happen as Christians as we come to know Jesus more and more, may actually be monumental, a monumental step of faith for someone else. And truly, doing anything by faith, and I mean anything by faith, in this world is massive and monumental, even for the seasoned Christian. Because even the smallest things that we see, then, let us be a people who are always encouraging others and uplifting others in the Lord. For anything good that we see, any step of faith, Any step of faith that's brought before your eyes is Christ's powerful and magnificent work being done in someone no matter how small and insignificant you may think it is. Christ said himself in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. 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 For we all have struggles and sins, and God is working with all of those who have faith in Christ in Him. For all, and, 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 and for all, we know, okay, when we're dealing with people, for all we know, those who say, for example, I'm realizing just how much the Lord loves me. Something that we all take for granted. Like, oh yeah, yeah, of course He does. It might be that they are saying that because last night they were struggling with their temptation or struggling and dealing with suffering in their life that you have no idea of. And they're here today to hear how much more God loves them. And they're here today even though they failed Him last night because of doubt or stress or anger or, or, or loneliness, or whatever be the case, because of pride. And they're now seeing, even though they failed Him, Christ does not fail them. So whatever be the case, whatever we may see or hear of someone, whatever good things we may hear that they're praying or asking for prayer, let us be a people who rejoice with them in Jesus Christ. And secondly, as we come to this text, it is important to know that none of what Paul is speaking of here is done in our own strength or your own strength, but in full reliance upon Jesus alone. All growth in our lives, all maturity in our character and actions and emotions and mindsets and lifestyles, whatever it may be, is all done through the means of faith in Jesus. Growth comes from Christ and His power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Our works do not make us grow. Following laws does not make us grow. We follow His law because we are growing, even if we don't follow them perfectly or faithfully. There is no power in the law. The power of godliness, 
a godliness, a godliness, godliness lifestyle. The power of the Christian life is in and comes from faith in Christ alone. That's it. The law of God sets the norms of what is the right thing and what things should look like. But you have no power to do it outside of faith in Christ. Because it's holistic, not just an action, but also your emotion and mindset and motive, the whole nine yards, an outcome. And through faith in Christ then, learning about Him, for example, reading His Word will produce the way of godliness and holiness in you. But this only happens by faith alone. That's it. So I pray we never forget that. I so easily forget that. Just as Galatians chapter 3, 3 says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit through faith in Christ? Are you now being perfected by the flesh, by what you do? Or simply, what began by faith in Christ alone also continues by faith in Christ alone. So now, with all that, that stated, let us come to the text and see what we can kind of glean from what is written in the Word of God. So Paul says in chapter 4, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And here in this passage, and really also in verse 23 and 24, which we'll go over, Paul is speaking of something that has already happened to us, that has already happened to the believers when they came to faith in Christ. Like he previously said, you know, when you learned Christ, he is, he is speaking of past things that has already happened at the moment of faith, but the effects and the consequences are still happening to us in some sense. So let me explain. When we came to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, there was a change that happened in us and to us. And this brings us to our first point. We no longer identify with self. The power of sin and death, the power of the world, the flesh and the devil has been removed from us. By faith, we said our identity is now found in Jesus, what he has done for us. Whatever we are now is found in him. We are no longer looking to self to find who we are or define who we are. All of that now is found through Jesus Christ. We agreed that we are sinful and evil, and there is no hope in us before God without Jesus Christ in our life. Or to put it more bluntly and directly, to put off the old self is to put off our direct passion for sin and our direct rebellion against God that we were enslaved to, that had power over us. We have put off the old self. We did that when we came to Christ through faith. We died to self and our selfish and self-centered ways as a result of having a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith alone in Him. When we came to faith in Christ, we put off the old self, meaning we had been freed from being destined to the path of self-destruction. Freed from the path that leads to wickedness. Freed from the power of sin in our life. Freed from having the weighty guilt in our life for all the evil things that we have done that only produced hopelessness and hate that leads to death in our hearts and our relationships. 
Freed from this course of having to prove a sense of establishment amongst people around us and in our lives to make it seem like we matter or we're a little bit better than them. Freed from this never-ending treadmill of always having to be the best or having to win the argument by whatever means so we can feel good about ourselves, even if that's just for a moment. Freed from having people's sins against us be in control over us because we want to best them or take vengeance upon them for making them suffer as we suffered so we can prove them wrong and make them suffer just a little bit. I mean, just for a moment here, when you realize that all of this has been put to death in Christ, that the old self has been put off in Christ, think about how that radically changes, for example, your relationships with the people around you. To put off the old self means that you are free from having to go into a rage or give a silent, passive, aggressive treatment to your spouse, to your kids, to your parents, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your coworkers, to somehow get back at them or control what they do so you can feel in charge, so you can feel like somebody. Feel like you get the respect that you deserve. You are free from exhaustively trying to control how people treat you and what they think of you because life is not about you anymore. Put off the old self. You have put off. You have put to death the old self. You died to self. So here in this context, Paul is saying that we have already died to self then. And we are to continually put off our old self when we see it arise. When we see the self or sin arise in our life. For sin makes life all about you. It really centers on that I in the middle of S and N. I. And in... I mean, we've been freed from the power of it. And in some sense then, to, in, to encourage us and keep us fleeing from our old ways, to keep us fleeing from self, he says, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Paul here is emphasizing that there has been a major break in our life by coming to know Jesus Christ through faith. So the former manner of life, Paul is saying this break is with everything about us and in us. It's not, that, it's not just that we have broken from sinful hab- some sinful habits in our life, but we have given up everything radically and holistically around us and in us through faith in Jesus. Once you came to know Jesus by faith, from that point on, there was a radical break within you, for you are now able to say things Like, that was the old me. That was the old way of doing things. Or more to the point in regards to this text, that was or is the sinful way of doing things. That is the sinful way of approaching life. And I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not me. For Paul 
also says that the old self is is corrupt through deceitful desires. Paul is saying here, we have been awakened by faith through learning Jesus Christ, being taught in him as the truth that's in him, to now see that sin only leads to death, and we now have a heart that beats with disgust towards it. A disgust and a repulsion that was not there before you knew Jesus. So in verse 22, Paul is saying, just remember, when you came to know Jesus Christ and learned him by faith, your eyes were opened to see, of, to, the, to see the truth of how desperate we are without Christ. And that through faith in him, our old self was put to death. So keep it there. Or put differently, I know this will sound kind of weird, but keep growing in not trusting in yourself or anything. Whenever you see yourself trusting in yourself for something, that is the old way. When you start making life about you, stop. That's the old way. And so, though the power of sin is removed from us, the power of old self is removed We all know, and we all experience, its presence. It's currently still here, and it will be. Our sinfulness will always will be here until we die and go to heaven, until we reach glory. So while we're alive, while we're alive, our old self, sinfulness still resides within us and will be always around trying to deceive us. So we must constantly put off the old self for its deception is bent on screaming a lie to you, this major lie that if you just run away from Christ in just these few things or just this one thing, stop trusting in him just, just for a moment and in this one area and trust yourself, trust your heart then you'll be able to experience true freedom. But we know that's a lie. Freedom is not found in our sin. And it will never be the case because sin will only bring out corruption as what is stated here in the text. And that's one of the truths that we are always learning more and more in Christ and He is applying that more and more to us that we have been awakened to. Now, some of you may say, hey, wait a minute, Jonathan, didn't you, haven't you said that God also uses our sins for our benefit? Like it says in Romans 8, 28, for we know that for those who love God, God works all things for good. That means even the times you mess up and sin for those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, I have, and it's true. That's what's stated here in the text. You see all those horrible things that happen that people do in in the Bible, and yet God works good things from them. But that doesn't give us permission to sin. Grace is not permission to sin. Grace is your protection when you do sin. So you can have rest and know you're not condemned. And sin you will. But praise be to God for his grace. Or as Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? 
By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Put off the old self. So with all this putting off the old self, Paul then says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, And be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And here again, Paul is saying something that has, that has happened to us once we came to faith. That not only have we put off the old self, but we have put on the new self. That we have been changed. And we're now in this ongoing, renewing process of God's power working in us. That through this learning of Christ, we are being renewed and changed to be the new self which Christ has created for us by His life, death, and resurrection through faith in Him. And this brings us to our second and last point. Our identity is found in Jesus. So this putting off and and putting on is done. It's a a done thing by faith in Christ. Happened once. But then also, it continues to be worked into our life through faith in Christ. Think of it this way. Now that we are in Christ by faith alone, our emotions, our actions, our judgments, our hearts, our minds, whatever makes you, you, you are a new person simply by faith in Christ. And that newness is being worked out in you to experience more and more every day by faith alone in Christ. So as we live by faith in Christ then, as we learn Him through His Word by reading it, hearing it, speaking it, meditating on it, by His power He applies it to us and we begin to see more and more our sins that we are to turn away from. And we begin to turn away from them. And that's called repentance. And as we learn and come to know Him more and more and and begin to grow, we, we begin to grow this distaste then for the very sins that we keep struggling with. I know some of you are like, what about the sins that keep coming back? Well, guess what? There is now a slow fade from those sins that keep coming back. There's a slow slow fade from it. These sins that keep popping up, they're just not as enjoyable. The sin that you struggle with is just not as enjoyable as it was before you knew Christ. And sometimes those sins you may some sins you may struggle with all your life, but there's a distaste for you. You're just like, I just, it's not the same. I, I don't like it. See, as we come to know Jesus more and more, it becomes more gross and disgusting over time to us. Even though we may keep falling, falling into it, we don't like it like we liked it before. 
But through our learning of Christ and His truth and what He has done for us and realizing and seeing that we have been created now after the likeness of God in true righteousness and true holiness, we begin through faith in Christ to have an increased love for God. And we start to take delight more and more and living according to the ways of God in all things, because we are saved, not to make us more saved, not to get salvation, not to keep our salvation, not to gain anything from God, but simply because we are saved and our hearts are changed and living for Him becomes a joy and a comfort. You ever have those times like, oh, I don't know if I should read the Bible and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like reading the Bible. I really don't feel like reading the Bible. But you're like, I probably should. And you do it, and then you walk away, and you're like, praise God. I'm so glad. <laughs> Just, amen. So even though we do not live, perf- do not live for him perfectly, trust me, I don't. If you hang out with me long enough, you will see that I don't. And you'll be like, What? <laughs> But there is this growing desire to live for him and a constant running to him, to Jesus, to help us do so, even though we fumble. And again, this is all not by our power, but by relying upon the power that Jesus has for us by faith in him alone. So in a nutshell, what you have here is that for the Christian, we are not doomed to our sins in this life. There is strength to overcome them. Whether that means you stop doing some of them or repenting of them when you do so they don't consume you. But this power and strength, this discipline doesn't come from you. It comes from Christ and trusting in Him alone, learning Him, admitting your weakness and dependence upon Him. You can never go, go wrong with focusing too much on Christ in any situation. And in fact, that's the problem. We don't focus on Him enough in all situations. So the way, so we, we, we kill sin or die to self by resting in Christ, even in the midst of our sin, or when we face temptation. This is how we are renewed in our minds and are putting on the new self, which we already are by faith in Christ. This putting off and putting on happens to us as we're constantly choosing to look to Christ by faith for whatever we're doing. And one person said, he who says yes to Christ is saying no to Satan. Right? The focus is on Christ, not don't focus on your sin, focus on Jesus. And that is our life by faith in Christ. We don't fight our sin by our power. We fight our sin by saying yes to Jesus, by faith. And so by faith, uh, by saying yes to Jesus, by uh, by faith in our minds, in our hearts, and in all things. And I'm going to give you an example of what this looks like. So it's a little bit more concrete. So you can, how this focusing on Jesus is how we grow and how we fight our sin to accomplish his will all by his strength and not ours. Okay, this is, here's something that's going to level it out. The example of Peter walking on the water shows this clearly. In Matthew 14, 29-32, it says this, Jesus said, Come! So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me! That's my theme. Lord, save me! 
Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got onto the boat, the wind ceased. Peter did the absolute impossible. He did the very thing by nature we know we cannot do. He walked on water as a consequence of going to Jesus by faith. The power to do such a thing came from Christ through Peter focusing on him. Peter had no power in himself, but Christ did. And that's what happens to us in our very lives. By keeping our focus on Jesus, being renewed in him every day by faith, we end up doing the very things he commands, the things that are impossible in our own power, like forgiveness. You ever try to do that on your own? doesn't work. I forgive you, and you walk away going, I don't actually forgive you. <laughs> Loving people who are completely unlovable, like, oh, I'm so happy to see you, and you're not. <laughs> Patience. Yep. Yeah, try that one on your own. Turning from sin. No matter how many boundaries you put up, guess what? You're going to break through it. See, it happens, those things happen to us as a consequence of keeping Christ in focus for all power and all strength comes from Him and Him alone to live the very godly life that He is calling us to and to turn from our sins and to do His will. And when you look at this, Peter started... Guess what? Peter, what happened to Peter? He started to focus on the wind. He began to think of himself. And Jesus, guess what? Became more of an afterthought. And that's when he started to sink in the water or fall. And that's the same thing with us. When we start to have ourselves in the focus amongst our problems or needs or desires or having pity parties. And Jesus becomes more of an afterthought Guess what? We sink right into our sins. You go in and insert foot in mouth with that conversation because you're like, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. But also like Peter, for though he didn't make it all the way by walking on the water, he didn't, right? And was seemingly going to be overcome by the water because his focus was off. He was not overcome, for Christ had him fully covered and had taken care of everything for him. For Christ reached down and pulled him up onto the boat, even with the little faith that Peter had. And even though he doubted Christ, we all do it, Christ picked him up. See, even though we fall into sin and fall into sin much, By faith alone, even as little as it may be in Jesus, he has us covered. He always reaches to pick us up. He reaches down to pick us up to safety. He will not let the power of sin or the old self overtake us, for he has taken care of everything for us by faith in him alone. So even with these three verses here that we went over, Paul is saying to us, as we live as Christians, be what you are. For you are a new creature by faith in Christ. For you are now seen as holy and righteous before God by faith alone in Jesus. And by faith alone, you will reflect that in your life even if you mess up. Just like Peter. For Christ has you covered and he will pick you up even if you let go. 
And in summary, I think this one quote kind of sums up everything we've spoken here today, and I pray that it will give you more hope in Jesus and less hope in yourself. The quote is this. One is not righteous who does much, but the one who, without work, believes much in Christ. The law says, do this! And it's never done. Grace says, believe this, and everything is already done. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these encouraging verses, Lord. And I pray right now with all of us, including myself, if there's any discouragement with things that have been going on in our life, and we are literally saying what Peter said, help, save me. God, help us see your hand is there. And it's always been there. You always pick us up. God, help us repent of our ways of trying to pick ourselves up. And to know that you're the one that does all the picking up and the carrying and the heavy lifting. We simply rest in you by faith. God, if someone doesn't know you here today, I pray that they come to know you today. And they trust in you and turn from their ways and and say, Jesus, I need you. God, I also pray that we are just a people who rest in you, the finished work of your son. And through that, we can be confident that we will live the godly life that you have called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.